I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Why do we so passionately oppose the onslaught against the Palestinian people, which has so far killed around 10,000 people in Gaza? If you adjust for population size, the equivalent of killing over 300,000 Brits in the space of just over three weeks, at least three and a half thousand of them children. The direct complicity of our governments, of course, they arm Israel, they provide Israel with diplomatic support, not just for the current horrors, but for the longest belligerent occupation in modern times and all the associated horrors. But we also do so because of an unwavering commitment to humanity, a commitment which is universal and uncompromising, and it's also unconditional. It means you oppose, for example, the torture of anyone or the killing of any civilian. It doesn't matter what that civilian thinks or believes. They may have terrible opinions or views or have voted for all manner of awful things. No cause on earth justifies actions you know will avoidably kill civilians. Now that doesn't mean pacifism. I'm not a pacifist. Seeking to minimise violence is one thing and crucial, but it does mean believing that war should be governed by certain norms, such as how the Geneva Convention, for example, seeks to enshrine, like Article 33, which forbids collective punishment. So our opposition to what the Israeli state is doing is driven not by hatred. It is driven by a universal humanity, and from that same universal humanity must spring a absolute visceral opposition to anti-Semitism. The reasons for opposing the mass suffering of the Palestinian people then, and the atrocities committed, against Palestinian people must come from the same place as our opposition to anti-Semitism. Now, this is important on its own terms. Anti-Semitism is a great evil, a evil which is responsible for hideous crimes, but it will also be impossible to achieve a lasting peace in Israel, Palestine and beyond unless anti-Semitism is truly eradicated, which we'll talk about. Now, the, the reason I've decided to do this video now primarily is because of the events in Dagestan, Russia, in which an anti-Semitic mob went on the rampage searching for Israelis and also set fire to a Jewish center under construction in a neighboring Russian Republic. Here's a clip of what happened. Now, these scenes will frighten many Jews in whichever country they live, and that's more than understandable. Uh, what I want to talk about is why an often gruesome history is so important to discuss. This isn't a lecture, those of you who are already familiar with all of it or most of it, but it's important. It's, it's impossible to frame this argument without going over it. Now, in Europe, anti-Semitism has a pedigree going back for around two millennia, and that's crucial to understand because it's ingrained in our culture. That means it's possible to absorb and replicate anti-Semitic ideas, imagery, tropes, without even realising it. And the history of anti-Semitism in Europe cannot be obviously divorced from the defamatory myths of Jewish collective guilt for the killing of Jesus Christ. Now, whether or not Christ existed, and for non-believers like myself, there's a respectful 
um, disagreement with devout Christians about whether he was the son of God. Um, but nonetheless, he was, according to scripture, killed by the Roman Empire. He was himself Jewish. And clearly, in any case, the Jewish people, either at the time or since, were not collectively responsible for his crucifixion. In any case, it was a hatred which led to blood libel. Um, for example, the idea that Jewish people were ritually murdering Christian children. The Jews were blamed for the bubonic plague, not least in the 14th century, when a third of the European population uh, perished. You know, the claim was they were poisoning wells, that kind of thing. And that led to the massacre of Jews. Uh, there were repeated expulsions of Jews in the 13th century in England, um, in sorry, the 12th century in England, or 13th century, sorry, the 14th century in France, the 15th century in Spain and Portugal, and the rise of Protestantism also drove new forms of anti-Semitism. Now, it should be noted that in these periods, it was far safer to be Jewish um, in the Middle East, where they were given the status of dimmi, a term meaning essentially protected people, granting them legal protection alongside Christians. That didn't mean they couldn't suffer persecution. They could and did. They didn't enjoy full rights. But their plight was generally considerably less severe than in Europe. And many Jews actually fled Europe uh, to the Middle, Age uh, Middle East in the Middle Ages. Now, Jews on Muslims actually allied together against the Crusaders. For example, in Haifa in 1099 and were massacred by the Crusaders together in Jerusalem, where Frankish Crusaders burned Jewish worshippers to death in a synagogue. Now, what's important to note is in the 19th century, the nature of European anti-Semitism uh, changed. Before then, it was based on religion. If a Jewish person converted to Christianity, they were treated as a Christian and therefore spared persecution. But with the advent of colonialism, we saw the rise of biological racism. The justification uh, for colonialism um, came on the grounds that, for example, African people were an inferior race. That's how you could justify stealing their land and treating them in the most abominable way possible. And this biological racism, with its rise, then came to apply to Jewish people, who were now racialized. And for this new wave of anti-Semitism, Jewish people were always uh, considered Jewish. It didn't matter if they converted to Christianity, or they weren't believers at all, or whatever. They were still considered Jewish, and therefore could never be spared persecution. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And we saw an increase in this period of pogroms, not least in Eastern Europe, under Russian Tsarist rule, where the Tsarist authorities intentionally stood up anti-Semitism. It's the context where the fabricated protocols of the learned elders of Zion um, were distributed, which claimed a Jewish plot for world domination, which circulated in the early 20th century onwards. 
And you can see, of course, the pogroms in Eastern uh, Europe of that period, the echoes of that today in Dagestan. Now, many Jews fled um, uh, to Western Europe in this period. In the 19th century onwards, you saw the rise of the Jewish population of the UK, for example, of the East End, who were then targeted by anti-Semitism, with the Conservatives' Alien Act of 1905 tapping into hostility, rising hostility to Jewish refugees at the time. Now, obviously, anti-Semitism existed in the Middle East, but it is a historical fact that was fueled to a significant degree by the export of forms of anti-Semitism originated in Europe, which then got assimilated locally. Um, and that's why it does remain true that the Palestinians are today, in large part, being forced to pay for the crimes of Europeans. Now, there was another development too. The persecution of uh, Jewish people led to a disproportionate number of Jews developing a natural shared affinity with other oppressed groups. That's why um, Jews have always played a disproportionate role in movements for emancipation and liberation. There would be no left, as we understand it today, without the contribution of Jewish people. Now, this fact, too, led to further anti-Semitic hatred. Jews became seen as dangerous subversives, a mantra which was heightened by the Russian Revolution and, for example, revolutionary movements in Germany in particular, because of how many Jewish people were involved. Hence the talk which developed, which the Nazis appropriated, of an international Jewish Bolshevik conspiracy. Now what's really important is that the experience of so many Jewish people was that one moment they could feel safe and secure, and then suddenly they had to flee for safety. A striking example was the Dreyfus Affair in France beginning in 1894, at a time when uh, French Jews felt far more secure than, than in most of Europe. They lived under the official banner of Liberté, Égalité, Fraternité. Uh, they were simply French citizens. But then a Jewish captain in the army, Alfred Dreyfus, was convicted baselessly of treason, uh, of leaking to the German embassy, and then sentenced to life imprisonment when evidence for who the real culprit was, not Jewish, was suppressed. Now, this affair divided France. It led to a surge in anti-Semitism, including anti-Semitic riots across French cities. This was a hugely shocking experience for Jews, not just in France, but everywhere at the time. Now, you can't separate the rise of Zionism from this backdrop, from Russia uh, to France, um, as well as the rise of nationalism as a political force, as we understand it today, which was born in the French Revolution onwards, the idea that there should be a Jewish homeland. Now, um, the, the idea that Jews would never truly be safe, and therefore they needed their own homeland, in Palestine became increasingly popular, though some actually backed it variously in Argentina in particular and also Uganda. But crucially, this was a minority current amongst the Jewish population. It received a boost when the British Empire declared its official endorsement in 1917 via the Balfour Declaration and then subsequently the League of Nations. Yet, you know, many Jews, for example in Poland, continue to be staunch opponents of Zionism. Uh, like the Bund in Poland, which sought to organise Jews in a socialist project in their own homelands. Now, it was a Holocaust, of course, the attempted extermination of all Jews by the Nazis, which succeeded in murdering six million, uh, two-thirds of the entire Jewish population of the time, which led to Zionism becoming so hegemonic. And that's perfectly understandable to see why. A backdrop of persecution with ebbs and flows, but where safety could suddenly become danger culminating in an attempt at mass extermination which it should be always of course we should remember happened within living memory and um, now many jews who were previously not sold on zionism came to see it as the only means to be truly safe even many of those who did not intend to settle in palestine came to view it as a refuge of last resort if things suddenly 
turned for the worst. And in the 20th century, the position um, of Jewish people at the same time markedly deteriorated many of the Arab countries they had long lived in. Um, and on that basis, the establishment of Israel came to be supported by much of the Western left, as well as the Soviet Union, which became the first country on earth to give it de jure recognition. Now, that did mean completely erasing the Palestinian population from that discussion. Israel could be presented as a socialist, secular home for the oppressed and the sea of Arab despotism. And we should be clear that reflected a racism towards Arab peoples, which persists to this day. Men ignoring the Nakba when 700,000 Palestinians were ethnically cleansed, many thousands murdered, and all the horrors of occupation, apartheid, colonisation and state terror we've seen ever since and of course today. Now, understanding why so many Jewish people came to believe in Israel was the only way of being safe doesn't mean you support any of that. Um, or, you know, it, or, or you can have a different conception. Um, but now, you know, also Jewish people, of course, aren't homogenous, uh, despite the marginalisation of anti-Zionism or non-Zionism, uh, though there are still Jewish people who subscribe to those ideas. Um, there are also Jewish people with ambiguous or conflicting ideas about Israel. And it's incumbent on all of those, all of us who support Palestinian liberation in European countries, in the United States, to understand the collective trauma that underpins so much of the Jewish experience and that sense of needing to be safe because of how quickly the winds can change so devastatingly quickly. When, say, the Dagestan anti-Semitic rampage happens, when synagogues are attacked, including the Pittsburgh synagogue terrorist attack, as one example in 2018, when hate crimes surge, when Jews come under attack in the streets, when their communities or the schools are threatened, all of that brings back historically rooted fear and a collective trauma that leads many to see Israel as a protector of last resort. So we have to oppose anti-Semitism because it's an evil in itself, which has been responsible and continues to be for terrible horrors. And it also makes a lasting peace in the Middle East so much harder. It's so important that Jews everywhere feel safe on, because as an end in itself, and also given that context, context and that we recognise that in the Middle East, Jews and Palestinians belong in the same space, none of them are going anywhere, that those desiring every, otherwise must be defeated, that this space has to be shared, that both have to be secure and safe. So that is why it's so important to talk about anti-Semitism as an evil in itself and an enemy of peace. Love to hear your thoughts, though I hope it is within the framework of respect and equality and consistent anti-racism please like and subscribe do support us on patreon.com for slash ojos84 to keep the show on the road and i'll speak to you soon hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain i learned this the hard way after losing my cat gingy so i created pretty litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors saving you money and potentially your cat's life Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.